0: Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Amen. Amen. Well, church, we're going to start a new series today. That we're going to call the life of a Jesus follower. And I must give credit where credit is due. I don't uh, feel comfortable always um, using somebody else's uh, material uh, because that's not my style. I like to be original. Um, But you know, when you read the the Bible, you find that uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, So no matter how original I try to be, I'm not original. Because somebody's always been there Done that, said this, said that So um, what I'm going to do is I, I've heard uh, this series uh, by a pastor Out in Las Vegas at Hope Church His name is Vance Pittman And uh, Vance, I heard Vance do this uh, material And uh, I was so uh, encouraged by the material That um, I was like, man Our folks at Level Plains needs to hear this And I thought, you know that's just not my style. You know, I can't preach somebody else's stuff. Um, so I called Vance and I said, hey, can I, can I, you know, have your material? Could you send me all your material? And so uh, I had to sign a release. And so I did. I signed a release, got all the material. And over several months, just been praying over uh, this series and tailoring the series to us. Because, you know, what, what set out at, at Hope in Las Vegas uh, doesn't necessarily apply to us. And so um, I sort of reworked the material. And so you're going to get a little original and a little advance. Uh, I'm not going to preach his notes verbatim because that's just not me. I couldn't do it anyway. Uh, I, and I'm even struggling, to be honest with you, even with the notes mixed. So um, so that's, that's sort of where the series has come from. It's uh, born out of uh, experience that uh, I learned from others, and you can always learn from others. I hope you realize that you ought to be learning from others, right? We're always being uh, discipled by someone, and hopefully, you're discipling someone in the process as well as you're maturing and growing as a as a Christian. Because that's what it's all about. It's about discipleship, right? That's what maturing in Christ is all about. Well, you didn't say amen, but that's what it's about. So uh, I'm just telling you as your pastor, it's about discipleship. Go and make disciples, Jesus said. And so that's what we're doing. We're disciples making disciples, but disciples are always growing. So what does it mean to be a Jesus follower? And so I want to sort of talk about that. And we're going to talk about that as we launch into the series, dealing with probably the foundation of that, and that is, That being a Jesus follower is all about relationships. It's all about relationships. And so when you begin to think about being a Jesus follower and you begin to think about relationships, let me just ask this question of you now that you got sort of the premise, but here's two questions I want to ask. First of all, how many of you in this room, by the show of hands, you can show your hands on this one because this is a good question, desires to faithfully follow Jesus? Amen. Amen. I think that's, what we all want as followers of Christ, we want to be faithful in our fellowship. We want to, to follow the Lord and be faithful to the Lord. But the second question is this, if that's true, then what does a faithful follower of Jesus look like? How would you define what that looks like? I want you to think about that in your, in your mind for a minute. You know, how would you answer that question? Because here's the problem. The problem is, that in the church, we sort of answer that two ways. That question gets answered either by what one does. That is, a follower of Jesus is somebody who goes to the church, they read their Bible, they pray, they're in Sunday school, they tithe 10% of their income to the church. You know, we define that by what they do. But it's also, we could say, it's also defined what they don't do. You know, they don't drink, they don't smoke. You know that runs me the old lady song what do you do you know it's you know so it's they, they don't do this they do this so we sort of define the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ by the do's or maybe the don'ts that we have and the and the reality is what we're looking for in those kinds of behaviors we're looking for some kind of conformity or maybe the focus would be on what a person does am I doing the right things that's Sort of how we define it. The problem with that is, though, how many of us, 100% of the time, do the right thing? It's impossible. You know why? Because we're flesh. The psalmist said it this way, we're clay, we're dirt. Amen? Put a little water on us and we muddy up pretty quick. And so think about how we define a Jesus follower by things we do. But then if we don't define it by the things we do, there's another group of us. Here's how we define it. We define it by what we know. And so what we boiled it down to, what we reduced it down to is, have I been through enough discipleship classes? Have I completed enough study courses? You all all remember study courses, right? Where you go through a study course, at the end you get a little diploma. You know, have I been to the right study courses? See, and the, the problem with that is to be a Jesus follower and just on what I know is the problem is you may know but not know. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you may be like the demons. You may know about God. You may know about the Lord Jesus, but you may be be lost. (laughs) So it's not about gaining a bunch of knowledge. It's not about, and here's our focus. Our focus is always on doctrine. And and the response is, can I answer the right questions in the right way? And there's a lot of people in church who can do that. But do you really know Jesus? Jesus. And are you really a Jesus follower or are you just regurgitating what you've learned? Now, I'm not saying doctrine's not important and we ought to always be learning. The Bible is our guide. The Bible is what we're learning. And so doctrine is key and doctrine is important. So I'm not trying to throw doctrine out. I'm just trying to say, we cannot base being a Jesus follower on the things that we're doing nor on the things that we know. So what is a Jesus follower? Can I simply just put it this way? A Jesus follower is somebody who looks like Jesus, amen? A Jesus follower is somebody who looks like Jesus. I didn't write this in my notes, but what immediately comes to my mind when I say that is what Paul said in Romans 8, 29, that God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. What is God's plan? What is God willing to do with your life his predestined plan for you as a believer is that you will look more and more and more like Jesus as you travel this journey towards home. And so as we think about looking like Jesus, then that means I have to do something, right? That means I have to look at the life of Jesus. And as I look at the life of Jesus, that is what I ought to be looking at in my own life. Does my life mirror his life? Is my life like Jesus? Now, don't get all bent out of shape and worried, okay? Okay. Because we're not asking you today to say, I'm going to look at Jesus I'm going to start doing everything Jesus did. That's not what I'm going to ask you to do today. What I'm going to ask you is, is Jesus living his life in and through you? And just hold on to that truth for a minute. But the reason why we look at Jesus' life is because of the text I used at the very beginning on the slide. And that is in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 40. The Lord Jesus Christ is really talking about there in a negative sense. That whole text is negative. He's saying, do not judge your brother. He talks about judgment. And he sort of ends that little that little part, he starts in verse 37, don't judge. He gets down to the last part and says, how can you tell your brother, you know, I'm going to remove the speck from your eye when i got a log in my own eye. And right crunched in the middle of that is, what teacher are you listening to? As a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, where are you getting your information? And when Jesus says this, a disciple is not above his teacher. That is, don't ever think that we can rise above those who are leading us. But then he says this, he says, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. That's the goal of discipleship. The goal of discipleship is that I want to disciple others so they will be like the teacher. Now, not me ultimately the teacher, but the Lord Jesus Christ who's the ultimate teacher. Amen. So if I look at the life of Jesus and I pattern my life after the life of Jesus Christ and I learn from him, then I'll be like him, amen? So what I need to do is I need to set out and begin to study the Gospels because that's after all where Jesus, you know, demonstrated his life. That's where he lived his life, right? And what you'll find is if you take the Gospels, you you boil the Gospels down or if you wanna cut the, the Gospels into sections, I don't encourage you to do that, by the way. don't take sinners and literally cut your Bible. But you begin to find out that Jesus lived in three primary relationships that really defines who he is. Now, when we begin to read that, we want to see, and again, overlay our life on his life. Do I look like Jesus? Now, what I mean by that is a Galatians 2.20. In Galatians 2.20, listen to what Paul says. I have been crucified with Christ. Now, to be crucified means you've been killed, right? I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, Paul says. Paul says, my life is no longer my own. Why? Because the life that I used to live has been crucified with Christ on the cross. I am in him. When he died on the cross, listen, I am in him. That is, not only did he bear my sin on the cross, but listen, I died with him on the cross, my life is given to him. My life belongs to him. It's not my own anymore. Because I've been crucified with Christ. On the cross. He says to us, continuing on. He says, "It's no longer I who live. But what? Christ who lives in me. Notice what he says now. Don't miss this. And the life which I now live in the flesh, physically. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What is Paul saying. Paul is saying this, he's saying this Christian life that I'm living, I am not living, listen, listen very carefully now to what I'm about to say because it's going to freak some of y'all out. This Christian life that I'm living is I am not trying, listen, you sure you're ready for this? I am not trying to live in a Christ-like way. Or nor am I trying to glorify Christ through the things that I do. No, what I am doing as a Christian is I am allowing Jesus to live his life through me. I realize that I am dead and he is alive. And he resides in me. Paul just said it, right? He is in me. And so what am I doing? I'm allowing Jesus to press his life out through me. That's a whole big difference, isn't it? See, because the other way is I'm a doer and I'm a knower. I want to do what Jesus did, and I want to know what Jesus knew. Now, does that mean that I'm letting Jesus press his life out through me, that I don't do some things? Certainly I do. But it's in the context of him working through me. You know when the Christian life becomes arduous, difficult, hard? It's when I have the reins. It's when I feel like i got to do all this for Jesus. Amen? I'm gonna get up this Sunday, and I'm gonna preach for Jesus, blessed God. No, what Jesus wants to do is preach through Mike. Jesus wants the reins. Jesus wants control of my life. He is living in me, and he wants to press out his life through me. Does that make sense? It's a little different than saying, I'm gonna do all these things, I'm gonna go to church, do all these great works, I'm gonna do all these things, and I'm gonna know this truth, now what Jesus is trying to do is live his life through you. And you know what happens when Jesus lives his life through you? Then you begin to look like Jesus. Does that mean that I never do anything again? No, that's not true. Does that mean I never study again? No, that's not true. But it sure does help me to understand that when I'm doing something, I want it to be Jesus pressing through me. Let me give you an example of that. So this morning... I was prepared and thinking about today's message and I was thinking about these little boxes. See, these boxes here, they, um, they represent something we're going to talk about in just a minute. But I was thinking about these little boxes here and I was thinking, you know, how am I going to set them on stage? Because I was all worried about, you know, was I going to set them on stage like, you know, he put them on stage and all this stuff. I'm going to do it right, not do it right. You know, I was kind of worried about my illustrations because the illustrations always seem to go bad for me. I don't know why, they just don't always go well. And so I was worried about the illustration. And so this morning I was praying and I was preparing these boxes to put on stage. And, and it was like the Lord spoke to me. Ed, you, you ever, you know, you, you saw your last you know, minute things, you're getting ready for your sermon and God just speaks. And it was like God spoke to me. And I'm not saying he spoke in an audible voice, but the spirit of God, I believe, spoke to my heart and said, just stack them on stage. And I'm gonna tell you why I did it that way in a minute and why I think he told me to do that. So Jesus is pressing his life out through me. So, so the sermon is not, hopefully my sermon. It's the word of God being pressed out through my life to you. Does that make sense? And that's what we want. I don't want to be up here preaching in my strength. Because Listen, I'm nobody. I am absolutely nobody. Okay. I'm some Yankee that God brought into the faith, saved me, brought me, moved me to Alabama. Well, actually moved me to Mississippi first and called me while I was in Mississippi to stay south and preach. Now, does that make any sense? doesn't make any sense but it does to God. Why? Because he in me wants to press out his life. And this is how he's chosen to do that in this season of my life. The pastor, First Baptist Church Level Plains in the South, 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 amen. So he wants to live. Ian Thomas, Major Ian Thomas said this, the Christian life is nothing less than the life which Jesus lived, lived out now by him in you. Jesus living his life through us. So what did his life look like? How do I know if that's happening? How do I know if Jesus is pressing his life out in my life? It's not because I say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be living in a Christ-like way or I'm gonna do all these things for Jesus. No, I begin to see his life in my life. I begin to see the things that he did pressing out through my life. So when I, I told you at the beginning, It's all about relationships. So when you look at Jesus, his primary relationship, what do you think it was? His number one relationship. If you take all the gospels, boil them down, what was his number one relationship? Well, it was his relationship with the Father. Think about that for a minute. Jesus, everything he did, listen, Jesus, everything he did was connected to the Father. You know what that means? God, the Father, was working in the Son to press out his life in the Son. And the son, what does he do? He says, I and the father are one. They said, show us the father and that'll be enough. He said, how long have I been with you? You've seen me, you've seen the father. Right? As a Christian, what I want to say is, you want to see Jesus? Hopefully he's being pressed out in my life. I want to get to the place in my life where Paul said, you know what Paul said? Paul says, follow me. Follow my example. Paul wasn't trying to be boastful. He wasn't trying to say he had it all together. But he said, listen, Jesus is pressing out his life through my life. You can follow that, amen? That's what I want to be. I want to be that kind of example. I want to be an example where people go, man, I see Jesus there. I don't see Mike Form. I see Jesus. And when I think about this life of Jesus, listen to what he said. Jesus said in John 14, 10 and 11, listen to what he said about his relationship with the Father. He says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Here's what he says. But the father who dwells in me does the works. Think about that. The father in me does the work. What am I asking you to do as a Jesus follower? Simply let Jesus do the work. Amen. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? He says, believe me that I am the father and the father is in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. See the works that Jesus did, the father did through him. That's what we're wanting. We're wanting him to do his work in us and through us. Amen? We want our lives to be a reflection of Jesus' life. And that happens in my relationship with the Father. Am I in relationship with the Father this morning? Do I have this desire to spend time with him? Do I have this prayer time and this study time in the Word, not because it's what I'm doing but as Jesus presses his life out of me, guess what he's going to do? He's going to draw attention to the Father in your life. Why? Because that's exactly what he came to do. To reconcile you to, to the Father. That you would have a relationship with the Father. Amen? He would, he would define for us eternal life. In John 17, 3, he says, and this is eternal life. That you may, what? That you may know the only one and true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. That's eternal life. What is it that Jesus' life looked like was a relationship and intimacy with the Father? What is my life going to look like if I'm walking with Jesus and he is pressing his life out through my life? I'm going to have intimacy with the Father. Does that make sense? It should make sense. Henry Blackaby said this. He says, a love relationship with God is more important than any single factor in your life. Are you in a love relationship with the Father? That's where Jesus was. That, that, listen. That's where Jesus was, right? That was the, listen, that was number one on purpose. That's the priority. The priority is the Father. But you know what? It's also the foundation, isn't it? Nothing else in the Christian life makes sense. Nothing else makes sense without a relationship with the Father. Jesus' whole ministry makes sense when you go back to the Father's in him, and he's in the Father, and everything that he is doing, right? Right? He is doing it on the Father's initiative. The Father is pressing out his ministry through Jesus. And that's what he wants to do for us. Because Christianity, listen, Christianity is not a religion. And we know this. We say it's a relationship. Because you know what religion does? Religion says this. And here's where a lot of people sit in this room today. They say, oh, just do your best and hope for the best that you'll get the best in the end. Let me tell you something, that's faulty thinking because Christianity says, and Jesus says it best, there's nothing that you nor I can do. It's what God has already done and what God himself does in us and through us. Religion is just a cheap counterfeit and people are flocking to religion because it's about what I do and about what I know. The Christianity is about my surrender. It's about realizing I am nothing, He is everything. It's about realizing I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. My life is not my own. I have no rights to my life. But it's Jesus who is living in me. That is, he is pressing in and through me his life. Think about it this way. What is a marriage? Is marriage about, you know, wedding rings, buying a home, living together, having children, is that what marriage is about, opening a joint checking account, buying a house? Is that what marriage is about? No, marriage is a love relationship between a husband and a wife, right? And only in the context of a marriage, only in the context of a relationship between a husband and a wife, this love relationship doesn't make sense. Because let me tell you something, who's going to open a joint bank account with somebody just, you know, we gonna walk up to you after church when you come out the door, hey, you want to open a joint bank account together? I mean, who's going to do that with a total stranger? Who's going to do that with people they don't love and know? Amen? Now I may, because if you bank at the uh, the credit union, I get to see what you have. Amen? If I'm on your account, that'd be pretty awesome. Isn't that right? But listen, it's the same thing in a Christian life. Going to church, reading my Bible, tithing, all those things only make sense out of a love relationship with God the Father. Does that make sense? I mean, to me, that's simple. There's a key word that goes with point one, and that's simply this, the word abide. Do we abide? Jesus said in John fifteen i I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, here it is, and I in him, He does what he bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. Here's the way Jesus said it. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I live, it's Christ that lives in me. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I am in you, then guess what? Then I'm pressing my life out through you because that's when you bear fruit. Without Jesus, there is no fruit. So the first obvious evidence of being a follower of Jesus is am I abiding in him? Am I abiding just as he abided in the Father. But there's a second relationship. The second relationship that you see with Jesus is this relationship with his disciples. Do you remember the disciples, that ragamuffin group of guys? Do you remember them? Those fishermen, tax collector? Do you remember those guys? (laughs) Jesus had a relationship with those guys. And you know what's interesting about his relationship with these guys? That no matter how dumb they acted, no matter how foolish they said things, or did things, he never left them. He stayed with them. He walked with them. And you know, the the interesting thing about them is, is that after they were called, you know, they got to see him perform his first miracle, turning water into wine at a wedding. They were with him when he fed the 5,000, when he fed the 4,000. They were with him when the waves were crashing against the boat, and they were worried for their life. Do you not care that we're going to die, they said, and then crazy and, and, They were there when Peter stepped out of the boat when Jesus was strutting across the sea. And he got out and he met Jesus and his faith got weak and he got his eyes off Jesus and he put his eyes on the boisterous wind and sea and he began to sink. They saw all of that. But Jesus lived his life in relationship to his disciples. We would say that is those who are his friends. Listen to what Jesus said, John 15, 15. Talking to the disciples, he said, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, there it is again, pressing out his life, I have made known to you. Out of his relationship with the Father, listen, flowed his relationship with the disciples. Isn't that interesting? Think about that. Out of his relationship with the Father flowed his relationship with the disciples. Is that true of us? Should it be that as Jesus lives in us, as we abide in him, that one of the things that we will do is begin out of this relationship, have a relationship with others out of that? Well, it certainly was true in Acts chapter 2. I won't bore you by reading all the texts, but listen, you remember in Acts 2 that Peter gets up and he preaches a gospel message and we're told 3,000 souls were added to the church. And then that classic text, right? Verse 46, 47, everybody gravitates towards that direction and talks about those different things that the church did. But out of that commitment that the church made, there was two things they did consistently. Number one, they gathered once a week in the temple to worship. The second thing they did is they met from house to house. That is that the church not only gathered as a large group, that's what we're doing this morning, but they gathered in small groups. And we have some small groups that meet throughout the week or on Sunday nights. Most of our groups meet. We have groups that meet on Sunday morning. And so notice that out of the relationship of being born again, out of this relationship by which God, remember the Bible says, God added to the church that day 3,000. God saved them. Out of that relationship with the Father stemmed this relationship with each other. That makes sense. That makes sense. You know what the key word there is? Connect. I want to connect. In my life as a Jesus follower, am I in connection with other believers? Because here, I'm going to tell you something. Listen, loud and clear. Listen loud and clear. Coming to church is not about religious duty. Well, we know this to be the case because there's a lot of people not coming to church, amen? Maybe if we made it about religious duty, we'd have more pe- people in the pews. Maybe we'd have more of our own members showing up to church on Sunday morning. But that's not what it's about. It's not about saying, hey, this is religious duty. You have to show up at church. You know, yeah, the Bible commands, do not forsake the assembling yourselves together as the habit of some. There's some together the habit habit. Nothing won't come. But I think the reason why is they're not abiding. Because listen, if I'm abiding, John, out of my relationship Jesus Christ what well, you know what flows my connection to you my desire to be at church flows why because you know what thing I knew about Jesus Jesus loves his own and Jesus wanted to spend time with his own amen you know I, I love the disciples because I find in there a bunch of guys who are imperfect and I'm very imperfect I, I can relate with Peter you know I can sleep while Jesus is praying that's pretty easy to do So I can relate to that, but you know that same Peter was the guy that Jesus pulled aside with two other guys and took him up on the mount and they got to see a most glorious sight. You know that same Peter is the one that Jesus made breakfast for? Oh yeah, he made it for the other guys. But then he had a conversation with Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? You know, Jesus was intimate. Jesus desired to be with his people. And it's that same Lord Jesus that on the road to Damascus when Paul was confronted by Jesus and he was saved and he was sent on mission. It was that same Jesus that said to to Paul, why are you persecuting me? You mess with this church, you mess with Jesus. Amen? It's something about this relationship that... Out of my relationship with him comes my relationship with you. And in the context of something else, if it's just religious duty, no wonder people stay at home. No wonder we don't find joy when we get together. Because this is supposed to be joyous. This is supposed to be what we look forward to every week. Be able to spend some time together. Jesus... Said this in John fifteen twelve. You realize we're going there a lot, right? Because it's in abiding that all these things flow out. He said in John fifteen, twelve, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Am I loving you as Jesus loved you? It's not because I'm trying. Amen. It should be because Jesus is pressing his life out through my life, and therefore, out of the result of that, I'm loving you. Amen. The second obvious evidence then of being a Jesus follower is that I'm in a loving relationship with others. Specifically, my brothers and sisters in the church. God the Father is the foundation before anything else. But then I'm loving each other. But then Jesus had a relationship with other people. Did you know that? Jesus said in Luke 19.10, he said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is Lost Jesus had a relationship with the world. Think about that with the world. I think of people like Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, and Jesus gave him the gospel. I think of the woman at the well where Jesus said, "I must, I have need to pass through Samaria. He knew he was going to meet her at the well. I think of that little short guy, Zacchaeus, that climbed a tree in order to see Jesus through the crowd. And Jesus would stop and he would say, come down, Zacchaeus. You know what he said? Go home and fix me lunch? No, he said, for today I have need to go to your house. I think of the mission of Jesus Christ and I think that his mission was to bring reconciliation between us and God. Because nothing that we could do would reconcile us. Only his death, burial, and his resurrection. He is the only sacrifice that God would accept. And now Jesus says in John seventeen eighteen, my life as he is pressing his life through me is found there. As he, the father sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. See, we got this relationship with the world. We have forgotten all about that, haven't we? I mean, we, we have forgotten all about that. We say, oh, we've got to have gospel conversations. But why? we got to do outreach. Why? Why? That's what we do as Christians. We're living for Jesus. No, that's not why we do it. We do it because Jesus wants to press his life out through us. Because he's living in me. And as a result of him living in me, guess what? That's going to make me concerned for the lost. Paul said it this way second Corinthians 5:18 through 20. Now listen to this text. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. It has given us the ministry of reconciliation. God reconciling people has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, here it is. Don't miss it. That God was in Christ, in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What is that? That's the gospel. Now, notice verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, don't miss it, as though God were pleading through us. He is living and pressing his life out through me. And if I am looking like Jesus, then what? I am an ambassador for the gospel. Why? Because he is living through me. Amen? That's what he just said. God is pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. If I am a follower of Jesus, then I am a lover of the world. Not in the sense that I love the things of the world, I don't love the world's system. I don't love the things that the world offers because they're counterfeits and they're cheap. They fade away. But oh, the people. We ought to love the people. See, the mission is not what we do as the followers. The mission is who we are. That's what it's about. God pleading through us. The key word is to share. Share. You know, all these relationships find themselves with an interdependence. This interdependence, I believe, Jesus expressed in John 13. Listen to what he says. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. A relationship with the Father is foundational. I have this relationship with each other. Guess what? Which spills out. Then others will know that you are my disciple. Which spills out into a relationship with the world. Am I looking like Jesus? Do I abide? Am I in connection? And am I sharing? Because that's the life of a Jesus follower. Why? Go back to the simplicity of it again. Because I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. Him pressing his life out in my life. I don't want to live for Jesus. I want Jesus to live in me and through me. Let's pray. And so, Father, as we come to this truth, of this reality, that, Lord, it is about Christ living in and through us. Lord, I pray that that would do two things for us this morning that would cause us, Father, to certainly repent of just trying to do things on our own. But Lord, it would also drive us to a deeper dependence upon our Savior, Jesus. That we would just, Lord, surrender and we would abide. And as we abide in Jesus, he said it, we'd bear fruit. The Christian life will be lived out through our abiding Help us Lord Make this relationship The number one relationship Jesus when he spoke to the church At Ephesus in Revelation said Lord They had all these great things going for them Nevertheless he said You have left your first love Lord we can do all kinds of religious works But without you That's all it is So Lord help us to surrender that you would live your life in and through us, that people would see Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here this morning. Let's stand and you don't know Christ. The good news is he still saves. He's still reconciling people to the Father. You say, I don't even understand that. Well, I'd be glad to have a conversation with you about the gospel. Maybe God's spoken to you about uniting with our fellowship. You come this morning. Listen, maybe you just got something on your heart. The altar is open. Maybe you say, Lord, I just want to surrender. The altar is open. What a great place to surrender. You come as we say. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.